0: Welcome back to case studies. I am with my new friend and legitimate, like kindred spirit uh, Spencer young um, president of young automotive. Is that the, is that the right title? Yep. It is. Um, So we, we got to know each other through mutual friend, Brian Stevenson, Travis Lish, and the feedback that they gave me about you was you're just going to like this guy. Like he, they're just their culture and what they do. You're just gonna like them, and so I had kind of positive expectancy. And then we went to your corporate office, and I think that was the first time where and the and it's still being built. Yeah, like you've got you know all the different pieces being built. And what is it a million square feet?
1: It, not not quite a million square feet. So the the parts warehouse parts a hundred thousand, and then our offices are about sixty five thousand.
0: Okay, so it's it feels it feels big. It feels so big, and so we're we're going through it and by the end of it, I was like, these guys aren't car guys. These guys are like, they're building an empire. Like this is a like legitimate business. You know, you, you think of a car dealership as like the physical location and the cars and the service. And, and when I saw what you guys are building, I was just so blown away. It was like every single piece had been well thought well thought through and it kind of correlated. And so anyway, I was just, I was so impressed, you know, one impressed by what you guys had built. Um, but then two, just impressed by you guys as humans. And so I I was super eager to have you come out and grateful that you, you you're willing to say yes and come, come spend some time with me. Happy to be here. I'm honored. Yeah. So, so talk to me about the young automotive dynasty. Like I want to hear from the top, you know, because this isn't a story that started with you.
1: Yeah, it definitely did start with me. Do you just want me to go through the history and kind oh, of tell yeah. about it? yeah, Um. So, it, my, I mean, a family business um, started in 1925. My grandpa, my great-grandfather started the business, Jack Olson, in 1925. He had a shop, and a repair shop, and a tow business before that. But in 1925, he acquired the Oldsmobile franchise. Okay. So, that started him as a new car dealer. And then in 26, 1926, he picked up the Chevrolet franchise in Morgan, Utah. So he had those two franchises, a little shop. He he lent the money to the people when he sold the car. Back then, Morgan's like small, it small town. Small like town. It's, it's real small, yeah. Yeah, today I think there's 8,500 people, so it's still small, and yeah. we're back in Morgan, but that's where it started. Yeah, It all started there with my great-grandpa, and he had three daughters, and uh, those three daughters, two of the, which married—one married my grandpa, Sam Young, and the other— um, Kent Murdoch, he married another daughter in, in the Murdoch automotive group. Yeah. They're our cousins. Okay. And so at one point, my grandpa, Sam Young and and Kent Murdoch were partners in the Chevrolet store. My dad and Kent's son, Ko worked together as well. Um, so they operated that store for a couple of years and then an opportunity came up in Bountiful and the Murdochs took that. They were bought each other out and they took that dealership over. And so the families kind of split at that point, And and continue on in the business. So my great my grandpa, Sam, ran the business for several years, was successful. He and my grandmother kind of went through a tough divorce, and my dad stepped in at the age of 27. Wow, so young. Young, young. He had been in the business his whole life, but at a Christmas party uh, my dad went to with my mom. Uh, my grandpa stood up. He was having a good time, and he stood up and said, you know, I'm moving to Lake Powell. And Spencer's taking over, but he didn't have this conversation with my dad, who also didn't have the conversation with my mom. So they leave and my mom's going, what's that about? He's like, I don't know. (laughs) It's news to me. So he took over at 27 at that time and had the store in Layton and my grandpa and my great grandpa had since sold the stores in Morgan. So we just had the store in Layton, a, a Chevrolet store. So then my dad took over and he acquired another store across the street, a Cadillac store, store up in Evanston um, and a couple other, uh, small used car store up in Ogden, Avis rentals. And my dad kind of started building that empire out and scaling. And so it was just him. Um, he was partners with his brother, Selden, who helped kind of in the buyout of my grandpa. And they started building that business, um, until 2013. So, um, I, in 2002, um, I came back from a mission. Well, let me, let me back up. So how I entered the business at age 13, 14 years old. Um, I started picking weeds, uh, painting walls, painting chains. Cause it,
0: it's always been like a family business kind of, and, and you have, you know, cousins and brothers yeah. and, and, and everybody's kind of a part of this business. Yeah. And, and I think it's kind of even similar to what I did with door to door where it becomes a part of you. Like it's just in your blood. Like you just, the car business is just like a part of who you are, yeah, you know? It,
1: It's all I know. It's all I've been a part of. My wife calls it my girlfriend. You know, (laughs) YAG is my girlfriend. Young automotive Group's my girlfriend because it's a part of me. It's part of who I am, what I do. So I live, eat, and breathe, and have done so my entire life.
0: From like as long back as you can remember.
1: As long back as I I can remember. That's all I wanted to do since I can remember in memory at four and five years old saying, I want to do what dad does. I want to sell cars. So that's all I ever wanted to do all through school, all growing up. In fact, school was a little boring because I thought, no, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I don't need to go through this. I want to be in the business. So um, I've always wanted to be part of it. And, and I'll get into my family. Um, do you want me to go through that?
0: Uh, just keep keep going. So, 2000,
1: keep uh, so at 13, 14 years old, I, I was in the business, uh, lot tech. Um, I worked in the parts department. I changed oil. Um, I got fired for uh, dyeing my hair. My mother did it. I got fired for that. <laughs> Um, Got fired one time because I failed a drug test. <laughs> so I've been through all that. Um, I cleaned my act up, went on a mission. But you,
0: you like literally like did every job in the company.
1: Most like, jobs, most jobs. Yeah. And, and we start at the bottom. You know, my dad at the very beginning, he said, you can be in the business. You guys can work. We'll provide opportunity. But... There is no scholarships. There's no free. Because I'm always so fascinated with
0: family businesses, especially, especially multi-generational. Yeah. Like they're just built to be dysfunctional. For sure. Like they're so hard because you, you, you kind of feel like, Hey, this is my birthright. You know, I'm, I'm born into this. Why? You know, and, and you just see like, they're really hard to maintain the right culture through the generations. You know what I mean? Like to, to root out entitlement. You're right. And how do you have, where do you have to earn your stripes? You know what I mean? That's, it's really
1: hard. You know, it's been tough and I, and I, I have five siblings. So I have three brothers and two sisters and then my uncle Selden, he has seven kids. Wow. One's in the business. One of his children is in the business with us. And then four of my siblings are in the business. Um, plus we have multiple cousins out there as well. I'm fourth generation. We have fifth generation in there. Um, So it's been tough. But I think us talking about it as a family early on, my yeah. dad would set up family yeah. meetings and talk about business and business succession and the problems that family businesses experience. And so I think we were prepped to deal with those things early on of, hey, we've got to get along. We've got to all find our own spot. And I think that's kind of what we've done. But it's kind of easier said than done. You it, know it, what I mean? Is, like for like, sure.
0: And, and I think that that's the one that I'm fascinated to see, like, what type of things do you guys do with culture to create that right environment? Cause like when I, when I experienced it, it's electric. I, I have my first car from young automotive showing up today. Thank
1: you very much, by the way. Yeah. And, and
0: I, it was that thing. It was saying, I want to go experience it, you know, and the experience has been fantastic. Um, but how do you create that culture? You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So when, when Kelly and I, and I'll go over that in a little bit, but when we took over, uh, that was a main focus of ours was as we're scaling, we didn't want to lose touch with the business. Yeah. So we had to create a culture of togetherness of a family. Um, cause as we're building it, it's easy to get. It's hard to get your arms around it, and it's easy to lose touch. Of course. My brother, Oliver, who's, he, who uh, it runs our operations, he was really the catalyst behind pushing culture. So we have a culture card. We have a mission statement. We've got that ingrained. in every meeting we start start with the mission statement are also our values. And that's the way we live. And those values are work together, rise together, trust and loyalty, engage in support, value and gratitude. And that is how we live. We make our decisions based off of those core values. So if somebody's not working together, rise but what, together. But,
0: but what's crazy is like everybody has like a mission statement.
1: Sure. And everybody has a value statement. There's a big difference between
0: like having it on the wall. Sure and have it a part of your DNA. And somehow you guys figured out to like, how to make it just a part of your DNA. Like it's real. Like when you're, when you're talking about it, it's not lip
1: service. You no. actually like live the values. Like, how do you do that? It's just, if you're talking about it, constantly talking about experiences, then finally it becomes a part of who you are. Yeah.
0: Yo. Um, so talk about, you got to 2013. The business is way different today in 2023 than 2013. I think, you know, for, close to a hundred years. It, th- there was five stores, right? Yep. You know, there, there's a core of five stores, which is, which is fantastic. But today you guys are at 30. Like yeah. what, what's the difference between everything that got it to this point? What, like, what was that jump? When, when did that thing, when did you guys decide we're going to go take it to the next level?
1: So I was running a store, the Chevrolet store in our, in Layton and Kelly Moss, my partner, he was running the store across the street, our Buick GMC store and five stores at the time. We just came out of the financial crisis. I was running the Chevrolet store in 2009, 10, 11, and it was tough. Um, market turning, um, it was real scary because General Motors went bankrupt, Chrysler went bankrupt, and we had a Chrysler store and G- GM wow. stores and a Kia store. So the two manufacturers went bankrupt, and that's all we had. So what do you do? So we were, <laughs> I remember sitting in my dad's office, and we office next to each other, and and just going, holy shit, what are we going to do? And that at that time, if you remember, the manufacturers would send out letters to cancel dealers. Yeah. To reduce the footprint yeah. of, of those dealers. So you didn't know. Oh, we had no idea. I was sitting there with my dad and we're just stressed. I'll get out going, we're going to lose everything. Or we're going to turn everything into used car stores, right? So we didn't know what to do. You have the banks calling. They're confused. They're going, well, if the manufacturers bankrupt, we're pulling your flooring. And so we're going... We don't know what to do. We were performing well. We'd always perform well. So it was a circus. Oh, it was a circus. I'm telling you, it was scary. It was, I've never been in that situation like that. Watching my dad's face, it was terrifying. He had been in the business his whole life. Never seen it. And never seen it. Yeah. Now he's faced with, I'm going to lose everything at, at this age. So I think coming out, that was a great learning lesson for us that we had to diversify and kind of change the way our business is. Um, you had mentioned it. We're not just car dealers. Um, growing up. My dad will always say we're in the car business, but we have a real estate business. We are real estate people. Yeah. We own all of our real estate. So, so I think coming out of that financial crisis helped us redirect the company to, yeah. Hey, we've got to go get other manufacturers. So if General Motors or Chrysler, any others, struggles or dips or goes bankrupt, we have others that can help fill that gap. And so us diversifying that, going after other parts of the business, like the wholesale parts world or the fleet world, where in downturns, those actually keep you afloat and actually you can gain market share by focusing on that side of the business.
0: This is just an insight and this is just an observation. But you didn't go to college, right? No, no. Like, this was just me walking out being like, these guys are like top-notch executives. Like these guys like have serious business jobs, but it wasn't the formal education. Like ha- give me kind of your philosophy on education and me and you, you know, we've traded audio books and stuff like that, yeah. but you can just feel that like that continuous learning is just a part of you. Like you're always, you're always trying to learn and get better.
1: Yeah. So. Coming off my mission in Mexico in 2002, um, getting home, my dad says, hey, I'll pay for you to go to school if you want to go to school. However, I'll suggest, since I know what you want to do, come in the business, I'll teach you business now, I can teach you better, and you'll be four years, five years ahead of everybody else. Wow. And so, that's what I did. Right when I got off my mission, I went right into selling cars, I got married early, quick. So, I was married, and I was selling cars. Want wanted to be in the business immediately. You just jumped right in. Jumped right in. So, I've learned by being in the business, going through all the positions from selling cars to running used car department, new car department. No, but I think I think that
0: kind of matters. Like in one business, but you guys aren't in the same business now. No, like, like you, you. I think that's the one that like I I just admire it. Like looking at it from afar is you guys have f- figured out how to like tr- kind of transcend the traditional business. To something that's so much bigger—it's power sure. sports, it's selling fleet vehicles, it's—it's. It's, I mean, I was talking to Kelly, and it was just like every piece of the value chain or the supply chain. You guys have kind of taken it and vertically integrated it, where you've got auto body shops, and you've got repair shops, and you've got part wholesale part manufacturing. And I'm just going through it, mean like, man, who taught these guys this stuff? Like, this is like, this is crazy. Like, I'm I'm going through the the corporate office. And like the technology and the, you know, the robotics and everything that's built into delivering parts for all these different, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. honestly, like it's, it's a like pretty intense, big operation.
1: Yeah, it is. And we have, I have, Kelly has, my dad, my family, an unsatiable appetite to to learn, to grow, to you be know. better. So I think just digging in, and you said that I'm into reading constantly constantly digging for new Yo. better better ways to deal. So, I, we're just constantly looking for just better ways. If we see a gap or we see something that we're paying somebody to do and we can take that over and take it on ourselves, we do it. It's incredible. <laughs> so, like it's like it you guys
0: just build a beautiful business. I appreciate it. So, that. so you got to 2013, you, you and Kelly are running the dealership. What was the change?
1: So the change was at the time we were looking at, we had just recently bought a Subaru store store sixth, And then we were looking at a Ford store up in Morgan where we originated from. Yeah. And at the time we were at lunch with my dad, Kelly and I, my dad was saying, I don't want to buy this Ford store because we can't make money in our Kia store. At the time the Kia store is losing money selling 17 cars a month. And Kelly and I just said, Hey, we've got a suggestion. He, my dad had a general manager in there, been in there for years. It was his guy. Yeah. We said, let us put our guy in. It was a person that we had, Jared Price. You've done oh, yeah. him. Yep, He's been with us 26 years. Sold me a Kia today. Yeah. <laughs> Great guy. And anyway, we said, let's put Jared in that store. Let's move these people here. And we just kind of changed up the organization as far as the people leading it. And then put in our processes and our training and turned that store over and quickly turned it from selling 17 total, 11, used, six, uh, 11 new six used a month to it's selling 125 new what? a month. Come on. And we did it in a six-month period. Wow. In a six-month period, it's a, it's belief. At the time, Kia was kind of about the Kia Optima came out, and that was a good car. Yeah. Their products started coming out. So we thought, you know what? We've got to dive in and put belief into this store. And that's what we did. We put the right people in. We we had a big meeting with the entire store saying, hey, we're going to sell 100 cars this this month. And it was December of 2012, actually, is when it's it. so kind of it's so out. funny
0: you're saying this because I'm living it, I'm experiencing it. You you gave me Jared's number, yep, and like it we're you know we're partnering on this real estate fund, mm-hmm. and one of the like big values is that the investors in this fund they get kind of close to employee pricing. It's employee price and so I'm like I'm gonna try this out. I'm you know we we have this our I've got these two adopted kids, and one of the birth moms is moving to Utah, and so we're getting her a car. And so anyway, you give me Jared's number. I called Jared and he sends me four options. And guess what? Every option was Kia, 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 Kia. And I'm like, he (laughs) believes (laughs) he, he believes. And, and it was a, I've never bought a Kia before. Like I've never even looked at them, but I'm going through it and I'm like, man, that it's got seven seats. It's cheap. It's got this like hundred thousand mile warranty. And it's got, I'm like, wow, you know, like one tons of value for car i was giving her but the second one was whoever was leading that absolutely believed in it because he still believes in it 10 years later he's still selling me a car you know
1: it really is belief and and that's what it was and still in belief and then just support behind it and so you do that then what so we do that and my dad said you know what you guys you're better you're better operators than me at this point i don't feel like i can take it beyond what i've taken it now i'm going to give it to you guys come on And so he just gave us the ball and said here why you guys take it? Just a run? you and Kelly. So we wrote a pay plan, and said here's what it is, and it's the same today, and we're partners in the business. And as we've gone and purchased now that that that's like such a compliment to your old man. It is. You know what? He's my hero. Like growing up, he taught me most of what I know. And just as a business person, how we interact
0: with people. But I think the difference between saying like understanding your strengths and understanding your weak weaknesses, but having the humility to say I'm not the guy. And that would be tough. That's hard. And, 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 but, uh, but also the trust in you guys, the belief in you guys, that you guys can do this is pretty cool. It's a pretty special story. You
1: know, it is cool. And so where to go from there? So from there, uh, we took over, made a bunch of changes, bought the store in, in Morgan, the Ford store, which then led to buying a store in the Chrysler store in Morgan. And then we ended up buying a Toyota Honda store in Logan, so Kelly and I just started knocking doors, so reaching out to all the brokers, reaching out to all the dealers, going to all the functions, golfing with all these dealers, just getting to know people. It wasn't necessarily with a plan of here's what we're going to do. No, we're going to go out, knock doors, and just get to meet You're gonna a bunch of people. You're going to go be in the market. You're going to go be in the market. Exactly. And, and all these dealers, especially now, they're my dad's age, they're all starting to retire, want to get out of the business, and they don't have succession plans. So Kelly and I took the approach of, hey, we are your succession plan. So if you have a son or daughter still working in the store, you want out, but you need the money, we want to retain them. Wow! And so we came with a plan. It's been different each, each yep. store or person we've dealt with, but we come with a succession of, hey, you can get out of the business, take your money. And if you have people here, we'll take care of your people. Or if you have family, we'll take care of them and teach them. And they're going to be part of our team. And if you look across right now, we've brought in many family members from from the dealers we bought or wow. we bought stores from. And some of them are running stores for us today. So I think that approach was unique and it allowed for a solution for all these dealers to self sell yeah, us. Yeah, because
0: there's there is no exit. No, it's like you like, or you're gonna sell it to somebody that's gonna go fire everybody. Exactly. Which ultimately, like you just care about the yeah. I mean, you you were telling me that I was talking to Kelly, and Kelly was like, We realized that if we didn't grow, our people yes. would leave us because they need to grow, you know? And so a lot of it was like, Hey, if we want like a home for our people, we got to get big because they need room to run. They need room to go like hit their goals. Exactly. Which I, which I, you know, super insightful.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so talk to me about like the business philosophy. Like if you were to say like, this is how we think about business, how do you guys
1: win? How do we win? Well, number one is everybody needs to know how to win the day. I think that's a, Common mistake in business is everybody just assumes that, oh, they already know what they're doing and they know how to win the day. But in reality, you go and ask them, hey, do you know how to win the day? Do you know what it means to win the day? I, I don't know what you're talking about. That's a problem. Yeah. So first is being clear with a vision of, hey, here's what you need to do, here's your role, and here's how you win. And once they find that and then you give them the autonomy to actually do, to it, go perform, do it yeah, it's amazing what people can actually do. So I think given people that it's on me, clear vision. Um, and then we're always looking for opportunity. You mentioned the conversation with Kelly that we had all these people, these mid-management level people that we had to give opportunity to. I grew up in the car business. So in 2002 when I was selling cars, I was selling cars with all these guys.
0: Yeah. And so you knew them. I knew them all. You, and, and you know. Brothers. We, I mean, you, we were, But you know who's good and who's oh, not. Oh, absolutely. Like everybody that's like done the job or been in the trenches. Yes you know, who's showing up, you yeah. know, who, who can perform, who can't So, like you and Kelly, you guys knew like who was the future of the business. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And we're sitting there staring at all these guys going, you know what, we've got to give them opportunity. So our business philosophy really is, it's not money for me. I've got opportunity. I, I, I feel good. I'm good, but we want to provide opportunity for all these people Yo. that we have. And we have another deep bench that's ready to grow. And so that's all we're thinking about is how do we provide opportunity for the people around us? So
0: I'm like big time Tony Robbins fan. And I I remember going to an event, the business mastery event. And I had, you know, I I liked his stuff. I'd listened to his stuff, but I had one of my business partners, a guy named Kevin Santiago said, Hey, you got to go to this event. And I go there and I had really low expectations. You know, I was kind of like, Hey, If I get anything good out of this, be sweet. You know, it was kind of showing up, and it just blew me away. It was like a ten out of ten. It was this incredible experience. But he articulated this point that I'd never heard it put in these words, and it's it's changed the way that I see business, and I see it with your organization. And he said that business is a spiritual game, and I think about that, and I think about like when I've experienced, like when I feel like I'm the closest to God is when I'm growing a lot personally and when I'm serving, like when I'm growing and when I'm serving and I would talk to my wife and I'd just be like, I, I feel more spirituality when I'm at work than I do at church. Like I, like I, this is when I feel like I'm just really in my element. And I see that with your company where you guys, you serve at a very high level and it, and you can feel that energy. You know what I mean?
1: We well, you know, we try and that, that's the name of the, of businesses serving each other and making each other better. So, so but you talk about winning the day, like how, how do you, how does that translate to the very last dealership? You know what I mean? My job is to make sure that I'm providing a vision for, for our team, for our people. So they see that future, see the future opportunity. And, and I carry this around. It, it's kind of a scrapbook thing because I cut it out myself, yeah, but yeah. I need to do that. I need to physically put it there myself. And I, I review it every day. If, if I'm with you or anybody, banks. No one. When, when when we were together, you,
0: revert, you 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 reviewed this with me. And Kelly yeah.
1: sometimes hates it, yeah, because it gives us anxiety that it's so much. But I I make sure and I review our 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 vision for twenty thirty. Right now we have thirty stores, but we want to have fifty three stores. We're gonna, and plus we want to have an additional thirty seven support operations behind those. So a total of total of ninety stores and supporting operations. And this is something that I talk about with every single manager, general manager, exec team, so they know where we're going. So I think this here, as long as we're following the plan or we're pacing for that, I feel like we're winning at least the day or
0: the month. That's so profound to me. I think about my career and I, I worked at Vivint and I worked in like this epic run where when they took money from Goldman Sachs and they were a $50 million company. And I, I think at their peak, they were a $13 billion company. So it's just this like meteoric rise. But I, I remember Todd and the first day that I got there, um, they are a $50 million company. And I'm I'm deciding between two different companies who to work for. And I remember meeting him and he said, we're going to be a billion dollar company and you can come help us build it and I'll give you upside in it. And as a 24 year old kid, I was just like, holy crap. I want to go there. That, that vision, like it, it inspired me. It got my heart. It got my mind, you know, where I'm like, if this leader is saying we're going there, that's something that gets me excited that I can go kind of sign up for where you're describing that. That's got to fire people up it because, does. because you're, you're communicating, you're not communicating, Hey, if we do this, you know, I'm going to get this rich. It's saying we're going to go create opportunity for everybody involved that this rising tide is going to go raise all boats. It's really fun. Like it's, it's, it's fun to watch.
1: It is. It is. And we, and we we're deliberate in, we have a 10 year planning committee that we get together every quarter to plan out what the next 10 years looks like. What are the, the roadblocks that we're going to yep. face? What challenges? So we're constantly talking about that amongst our exec team and then across the stores as Where well. Where have you guys screwed it up? <laughs> like when, when when you go back
0: over the years, when, where where can you say like, yeah, we screwed this up like this, you know, mm. th- these are, I, I think about this and I'm like, I always, for me, I've, I've learned a lot more from my failures than I ever learned from successes. You know, the the successes, if anything, I kind of get more ego thinking, sure, I'm really awesome, you know, but the failures are the ones that really teach you yeah. like, what well, what are the ones that you look back and say? yeah, I learned a valuable lesson on this one.
1: You know, there's so many failures um, over the past 10 years that we've been through, um, whether it's a deal not coming through that we've negotiated for six to eight months or, or not having the right person in the right seat. I think that's the biggest thing as I look back um, and thinking, okay, where did I fail or how did I fail? And it's usually because I didn't take action quick enough on the person or people that are leading the store operation. I feel like sometimes we'll we'll identify and see that and go, wait, you're not on the right
0: seat. You you knew there was a problem, but you But I never took action. maybe didn't have courage. Yeah. Was it like, hey, this is gonna be a hard conversation. I'm you know, you kind of stick your head in the sand a little bit or
1: hope it goes away. Yep, you hope it's just gonna work itself out. Yeah. When in reality you know deep down inside in your gut it's not. Yeah. And so I think not acting quick enough has led to some of those failures. Um, We tried to get in the tow business for a minute. When I was running the Chevrolet store years ago, 2010, I tried to get in the tow business. It didn't quite work out and we didn't make any money. So it was a failure. We tried to open a little uh, used car operation, Thrifty Car Sales. It was a rental agency tried to do. It never really took off, never got off the ground. We had an Avis uh, franchise, Avis car sales franchise yeah. that was working. So we thought we'd add thrifty car sales in a different different city. Interesting. It just didn't pan out. Yeah. So we, we've had lots of those do, little things. Do you see
0: those as failures though? Or do you see those as like kind of learning experiences? They're definitely
1: not failures. Before before I look at them as failures and it bummed me out. Yeah. But now I just look at it as it, it's a learning lesson and it happens for a reason. There's so many times that deals happen or don't happen, probably yeah. more importantly, don't happen. And you sit back and you think, you know what? Things happen for a reason. And then all of a sudden it resurfaces and the deal's better. Yeah. So there's a lot of serendipitous moments like that throughout my career that have kind of shaped everything. What's the best deal you've ever done? I could say selling the race, our racetrack. So we, we ran Rocky Mountain Raceways. Yeah. And operated for 25 years. Um, Selling the racetrack property and exchanging that property across and buying a whole bunch of stuff, including a Toyota Honda store property there. We bought 14 different properties. So 1030, we exchanged it. So I think that there was the catapult, that was the catapult Helped lifted us to where we that are. That launched you. Pulled out all the equity. We're able to get it so out. So if you wouldn't have done that, you couldn't have. It would have been a lot tougher to scale as quickly as we did. Yeah. So once we did that, and it also opened up other opportunities where we, we sold to Freeport West, which opened up some relationships that we leased some space out at Freeport Center in Clearfield for our wholesale parts operation. We developed some relationships there yeah. that helped scale that business. Yeah. So that kind of, I don't cascading into other things as well. So yeah. I think that was a, that was a big, big moment in our group was that racetrack. How did you come into the
0: racetrack to begin with? Like what, like what was the thesis on the racetrack? Was it just, you guys loved racing? Was it, you know?
1: Yes and no. So my dad, he he liked the racing business. Um, Tom Carn he used to own it way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, uh, the racetrack out there and we'd go out there as kids and watch the drag races and, and sit on old shitty bleachers and get, you know, <laughs> it just it just wasn't great. So as we were sitting there, I do remember the day when my dad looked at me and says, "You know what? I want to buy this place." I ran into Tom Karn in the bathroom and asked him, "Hey, can I buy this place from you?" Like what? He says, "Yeah, I think I can turn this into a better experience. Get rid of these terrible bleachers. Get fiberglass in your butt, and build something nice. Build something world class." And and that's what he did. So he alone, so he loved it. He did it and yeah. he built this big big business and ran it for 25 years. We ran it for the last five. Yeah. Um, and it's a tough business, hard business. You're five months to make all your money. Yeah. And if you have one bad weekend, you can lose 250, 300 grand and toast like that. Yeah. It's all mother nature. Yeah. So that, 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 that race business was interesting. Um, And I grew up going out to the racetrack every single week. Yeah. Um, But running the business was
0: a different challenge. Was it hard to sell it or was it just an obvious move? Did you, did you just know, Hey, this is the right thing.
1: My dad actually went out to Freeport West and talked to Brad Ross and and said, hey, we want to buy some additional ground. They bought some property just to the west of us. Yep. And we wanted to buy some additional staging lanes, some ground so we could put staging lanes for an NHRA regional drag race. So it's yep. the race before the finals in Vegas. So we went, approached him and said, we need to buy this much property so we can put six more staging lanes so we bring this big regional, regional race in. And Brad turned around and said, well, I talked to Kern Schumacher and he said, we want to buy you. And so it actually just, just half approaching them, wow, they said we want, want to buy you, and so we sold a portion of it um at that time we sold we had eighty eight acres, and I believe we sold fifty some odd acres at the time, and exchanged of all these properties. yep, leased um the remaining and for five years and kept the track open. Kelly and I ran that until we wound that down and then sold the remaining property to continue our girl wow who who are your heroes? Heroes, My dad, you know, he was my hero. Uh, growing up. He's always been, been my hero. Uh, I would say Kelly, Kelly, you know, he was adopted by my dad, not legally, but for the most, he's my family. He's he's my brother. I've known him my entire life. He's a hero of mine. He's smart. Um, And he and I have been through a lot together and doing what we've done. It's been tough, but he's a hero of mine. My grandpa, Sam, um, he was a hero of mine. He, he was a great dude worked his guts out was really in touch with family and always wanting to be around you and, and made, just made you feel good. Made, made you, he would acknowledge you're there, acknowledge who you were, acknowledge they loved you. Um, so he was a hero of mine as well.
0: Um, talk to me about faith. Talk to me about how faith factors into your life and how it has factored into your life.
1: You know, faith, faith, is, faith is interesting. There's some trust behind faith. You just got to have faith that, Hey, everything's going to be okay. And, I've struggled with faith. Um, I went on a mission. Uh, I grew up in the church my whole life. Yeah. Went on a mission. And so faith was always a religious thing, right? Yep. At first. And then as I've grown grown up and gone into business, it's almost like a calming belief deep down that everything's okay. That there is a plan for us. Now, how that looks, I don't know. Yeah. But there's an innate divine nature in us that I think is telling us everything's okay. Um, and I've had times that it, I, I feel like I'm on the right track or not, but there's a deep belief that everything's going to be okay. It's going to work. It's going to work. That There's a
0: bigger plan. Yeah. No, it's, it's fat. Cause I have, you know, faith. I've got a strong faith and it's kind of a simple faith. You know, it's just that like there is a God yeah. and that there's a bigger plan. And I just like, can't deny it when I look back in my life and like the coincidences that have happened and just kind of the goodness that I have in my life. I'm just like, the, it, there's something bigger. It's almost like serendipity plays It's, it's crazy. Know, the
1: serendipitous yeah. moments in my life have been what shaped everything. Kind, some of magic, kind of
0: magical that. moments that it's you're exactly. just like, Yeah, I'm like, I think back about them and I'm like, what if this wouldn't have happened or this wouldn't, and, and it would have changed everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I, it's, it's fun to talk to people that have different religious beliefs and see how faith factors. Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? And I'm not a religious person today. Yeah. I feel like I'm a more spiritual person than I ever have been. Yeah. Just getting in touch with that, I think, divine, innate nature that's inside. And how do you
0: do it? Like, how, how do you connect? Like, how do you connect with like, hey, this is what I was built
1: for. This is why I'm here. You know, just the practice of self-reflection or or meditation in the mornings has really changed how I am. Just getting quiet in my mind. I have a thinking mind that's constantly rolling. That's going. Click and click and click and click. And like I'm seeing a slideshow constantly or constantly looking for ways to solve problems. But then I stop and I go, that's my thinking small brain. And that brain is only based off the past, what's on my hard drive. So I'm only dealing with problems based off what I've experienced in the past. Whereas I think self reflection, meditation helps you get in touch to quiet the mind and the divine mind, where I can sit with something to look for an answer, and it'll percolate to the top. It just and just an comes. Idea, so I think the thoughts are out there. Yeah. And and if you get in. If you can quiet your mind and get in touch with that innate divine self, yeah, these the answers come quicker. Whereas before in my career, I was always just more in an analytical. Trying to think through it and and I couldn't and I was more frustrated. Now it's no, I have faith in a divine plan. Yeah. And that the answers are there. We just gotta quiet the mind to be able to receive that inspiration. I, I remember going to
0: one of those Tony Robbins events, same same type of thing, just language that I can't unhear this stuff. And he talks about this concept that life is happening for you and it's not happening to you. And I think about that and I think about that belief that it's happening for me, even the bad, even the hard times, everything's for my good. And I it's just served me so well. You know, like and and you if you can kind of look for the good in those hard times, it just shows up. You know what I mean? It does. And it's weird. You can't explain it looking back. So talk to me about charity work. I know this is like core to both you and to your organization to give back to the community and talk to me about where the, those roots, you know, where
1: that came from and like what you're working on right now. So the core values I mentioned, uh, one being gratitude. We're, we're grateful. We're, we're so grateful for the spot we're in successful business, successful family. Yep. We feel blessed. Yep. Um, and then the other value of engage in support, engage in support is engaging and supporting the community that, communities that we're in. And we believe in that. And my dad set up our foundation young caring for our young many years ago, 20 plus years ago. Um, and that is solely, um, we set it up to, to support kids. So kids in school, kids in need, whatever that is, it's around kids and supporting them. Yeah. So, we do anything from food drives to clothes drives to pantry pack events, or we have something called the kind fund and that's the teachers in where we're at in our, in the counties we're at. If they see a kid that's coming into school with the same clothes on, dirty pants, dirty shoes, holes, no socks, and can make a rec- kind fund. So kids in need uh, request. To Which us. is like
0: one of the coolest ideas I've ever heard.
1: Yeah. And so it goes out and it, it, so a teacher requests it goes to our site to our app and it pairs up a volunteer and gives them the volunteer 150 dollar gift card to go shop for that student wow. they'll go the teacher has listed out what they need as sizes and colors just general idea we don't know who the kid is and volunteer shops get it take it to the school and the teacher gives it gives it to the student we don't interact with the students but how special is that we we initially started we we our goal was we want to serve a hundred kids in the kind fun side yeah We're almost to 3,000 in the last year. So that and just all these events and each store is required to put on an annual event to raise a minimum of 10,000 to donate back to the community or those kids and then events throughout the year as well. That's amazing. And that's core to who we are, Young Caringer for Young. We did an event yesterday, Pantry Pack, actually with Stokes and Stevenson. I saw that. And just the impact that makes, it just makes you feel good. All of our GM spouses, my wife, she's heavily involved. She spends hours and I mean, hours my, every
0: week. My, my wife loves that stuff. Like we it, need to get her involved. We'd, we'd love to be involved. It'd be awesome.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's core to who we are. We're just grateful for the spot we're in
0: and we got to get back. And it's growing. Like, it's not like uh, when when I was at your office, it's like a core part. Like, it's got its own space. Own it's space, got its own, own team. Office.
1: Give a million bucks a year. That's so cool. So, yeah, we feel like we
0: have to get back what does the future of your business look like? Like when you fast forward 20, 30,
1: 40 years. You know, I hope we're a hundred plus stores strong and we're still going. We don't plan on selling. I mean, we own the business. We've never had partners. We've grown by our own proceeds, our own cash equity and yeah. some debt. Um, so we want to continue just growing. My daughter, she's 19. She's a service advisor at her power sports store. She's doing the same thing I did. She loves it. I told her, hey, I'll pay for your call. She said, no, dad, I want to do what you're doing. So she came in and, she loves it. So I think we want to be a hundred. We we're going to be a hundred plus store strong by that time, but we want to just continue in business. What do you want to be known for? Well, when, 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 when
0: you're, when it's the funeral and you're kind of looking down and everybody's there, like
1: what are, what are they going to say about Spencer young? Really just somebody that's a good person. So that, that they look back on me and say, you know what? He gave a shit. He gave a shit about me. gave a shit about my family and he cares to give back. I, I don't need to be known as the smartest person, strongest, most money. I I don't need that. I don't need that for me. I do want to be known as somebody that has helped a whole bunch of people um, to be better people and help my community and just been a good person. Just very simple.
0: Brother, that's the good stuff. We'll wrap it up. Just want to tell you, thanks for coming down. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, I admire what you guys are building. I, I think for me personally, I'm a student of business. And and I just, I love seeing excellence. There's a guy by the name of Tom Peters that he wrote this book in the 1980s uh, called In Search of Excellence. And he kind of has spent his entire career documenting excellence. And he he just recently, last couple of years, he wrote this book called The Excellence Dividend. And out of any book that I've read and reread and reread, it's that book. And I And the whole point is that like, average and good, that there's a step above and that all of us feel it. Like when, when you experience it, you just know, you know, I think about the brands that I admire, the Four Seasons or the Amon Resorts or, you know, Lululemons or these different brands that I'm like, there's something better, like just, you know, that there's a, a step beyond And I felt that with your company where you guys have this, this standard of excellence that that it's just a high standard and you set this high bar and then people rise up to it. And so I just want to kind of honor you for being the leader that goes and can set that high standard that, that people can feel because, you know, you go back to that, you know, idea that business is a spiritual game, that there's this guy, Clayton Christensen, that he was, you know. Harvard Business School, real famous professor. He wrote the innovator's dilemma, but he talks about management, and he said, "You know, management is one of the most noble professions, and it's because you're a steward, you're a steward over people's lives, like when when you're a manager or you're a business owner, and you've got all these people that work for you, that culture, that environment can either be a place that inspires people to be the the best version of themselves." When they go home and they see their wives, and their kids, they, they show up better than when they got to work and that they bring that energy home or the opposite. And the difference is the leader and it's the leadership and it's the culture and kind of those standards that you set. And so anytime I see a business that creates an environment where people can go grow, it's just like, it it, it just pumps me up. And so when I, when I see your business, I just, I love everything about it and you know, I've loved spending the time with you and, and look forward to you know spending more time with you in the future. But I really
1: appreciate you coming out and, and being with me. Thank you very much, Casey. just so you know, you're an inspiration, man. You're a legend too. I've, like I told you the other day, I've talked to 20 plus people. I don't know you well, but man, they speak highly of you. And that that's important. So thank you oh, very thank much. Thank you, brother. I'm honored. We'll see you. Appreciate it.